of the sky! Look! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Matt Spectro through the multiverse! Thank you for joining us for another exciting episode of Matt Spectro Through the Multiverse. I am your host, Matt Spectro, lifetime comic fan, lifetime animation fan, the podcast talking exclusively comic book animation. Welcome to the special bonus Halloween special episode. I'm going to briefly explain the rules and we're going to get right into it. Comic book animation. Say no more. Rule number two, big fan of the old. Team Up Books, DC Comics presents Marvel Team Up, Marvel 2-in-1. So it's a team up podcast every week. Me and a special guest talking comic book animation. Rule number three, most important, we gotta have fun. So get your witch's brew ready. Sharpen your vampire steaks. Look out for the full moon as it's Halloween. Before we get into our topic, I'm gonna first bring out my guest. He is... My brother, welcome back to the multiverse, Marcus. Thanks. It's exciting. What the bonus episode. Is. Yeah. Now, I've been kicking it off, and I've had some uh, dubious answers the last couple of episodes, but uh, I ask everyone this time of year, Uh-oh. what is your favorite horror film or horror film franchise? Wow, you're putting me on the spot here. Um, well, the last two episodes were The Crow and None of the Above, so <laughs> you're going to have them give me more than that, I hope. That's uh, weak sauce, as the kids say. I'm going to say Dawn of the Dead, uh, the George Romero. Yeah, that might be my favorite horror movie of all time. We'll go with that. Not, not a bad choice. Not a bad choice at all. Welcome to the Halloween episode. You love Halloween, don't you? Absolutely. And of course, as you know, my birthday. And welcome back. Last time you were here, uh, your episode uh, stirred a bit of controversy. I don't know if you remember. <laughs> with our other brother? With an episode on heavy metal. We didn't properly contextualize the cultural importance of heavy metal. <laughs> yeah, we missed out on that. And we, we had a fun time, though. Quote, unquote, clutched our pearls too much over the boobs. <laughs> I, I don't know if I even heard that before. <laughs> this was all from Travis. <laughs> uh, now, anyone knows me. I, strong I, stuff. I've got no problem with boobs. I actually love them. But in the context of a story... There can be times where they are a little bit unnecessary. Yeah, I think Travis may have missed a point. <laughs> missed our point, anyway. Doesn't understand the heavy metal mythos, as they say. Yeah, yeah. So we, uh, you selected a great selection for this special Halloween bonus episode. We're going to be talking Tales from the Crypt. Yeah, well, the comic is a great selection. Um, I haven't seen the cartoon yet. We're going to watch that together, right? We certainly are. You know, a lot but, of people will be surprised to know this. There even is a Tales from the Crypt cartoon. I don't think I even knew that up until a couple weeks ago. But before we get there, we're going to just talk Tales from the Crypt. A little history if anybody doesn't know. Tales from the Crypt started all the way back in 1950. EC Comics created by the great, great William Gaines and Al Feldstein. Yes, uh, William Gaines' father owned the company, Yep, EC. Um, William Gaines' father, who claims to be the creator of comic books. Uh, <laughs> huge, if true, but I hadn't heard that before. 
<laughs> but yeah, then then he he retired or died or something, and William Gaines took over the yeah, company. Took over the company. They published those things as uh, Mad Magazine, and they uh, did uh, science fiction. I believe they did Western comics and crime suspense, as well as uh, Tales from the Crib. Unfortunately, no longer with us now. Eerie Comics number one in 1947 from Avon Periodicals is considered the first ever horror comic book in existence. I did not know that. So Gaines and uh, Feldstein discussed the idea of doing a horror comic. There had been a few other little stuff here and there, but they uh, they were kind of successful. And in the 50s, the superhero genre had pretty much died. So they were looking for the alternatives such as Westerns, romance. The war comics hadn't really come fashionable again yet. They would later in that decade. You read my mind because comic books always, or at least for decades, they always had fads. They always came and went. Westerns were popular. Romances were popular. And superheroes were really popular in the 40s, the late 30s through the 40s. But then they started dying on the vine at some point, post-World War II, for whatever reason. And yeah, horror comics was the next uh, trend. Tales of the, it didn't start as a, necessarily a horror comic. It uh, started off as international comics, one through issue five. Hmm. Uh, then it became International Crime Patrol. Issue 17, it became The Crypt of Terror. You're shaming me with all this <laughs> research you've done. I, this is all news to me. And then formally, officially became Tales from the Crypt with issue number 20. So was that the first one? Because I know there's also Vault of Horror and uh, Haunt of Fear. Yeah. Crypt of Terror was the first official ECW horror comic Okay, that became Tales from the Crypt. And then it became so popular that they later, the the Vault of Terror, I get the Haunt of Fear and the Vault, no, wait. Vault of Horror and Haunt of Fear. Thank you. <laughs> and I know at the same time, they also had like... Crime and sh- shock suspense shock tales. suspense stories and true crime, I think was the name of the Weird thing. science. Yeah. Which uh, the stories basically, we'll probably get into that a little bit, but the stories in weird, the science comics and the, and the crime and shock comics follow the same formula as the horror ones. Yeah, usually something, uh, somebody bad comes along, stumbles into something supernatural, and there's some sort of ironic moral twist by the end. Some people say that it's because of EC Comics specifically that spawned the anthology sci-fi horror television shows that would come around that are still popular this day, like The Outer Limits, The Twilight Zone. I think it's a bit of a flimsy connection, but some people credit that the idea of a format where it was different every week originated yeah. with the EC Comics. I don't know. I mean, that format got pretty popular. I remember in the late 60s and the 70s, including there was a Tales from the Crypt movie. Yep. But you know, Asylum, uh, yep. Trilogy of Terror, they're all those yeah. movies. As well as, uh, was it Thriller, that TV show? Yeah, 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 Thriller, and, uh, uh, Outer Limits, which was a little earlier. But. And uh, the first horror comic story uh, they published was in uh, Crime Patrol 15. That was uh, the first EC horror story called Return from the Grave, and that was the first appearance of the infamous crypt keeper the host teller of the stories the narrator if you will hmm yeah and the other ones 
There's the witch. Was that Haunt of Fear? Yeah, it was the old witch and the the, the, the vault, vault keeper. keeper that, yeah. Or <laughs> they both were, weren't all that different from the Crypt Keeper. No, no, they're pretty interchangeable, I guess. Yeah, so they got very popular. There was a good five-year period where, I mean, they weren't the only game in town. There were um, other genres doing well, science fiction, like you mentioned, but the horror genre was really doing good in the for a good five-year period. Right hot. Red High, they were selling a lot. It kind of revived the comic industry that had suffered early in the uh, late 40s. Then in 1954 came the Senate. But before you get to that. Okay, go ahead. They had some of the best talent there. They had Johnny Craig and uh, Kurtzman. Harvey Kurtzman, yeah. Will Elder, uh, Wally Wood. Wally Wood worked there. That's really because the stories don't hold up at all in those comics, but the art's fantastic. Yeah, the art is uh, fantastic. And if you were a young reader of, of uh, Mad in the 70s and 80s, you can tell a lot of the artists stuck around and were doing a lot of the artwork in those comics as well. Right, because Mad started, it was, mostly it was a Harvey Kurtzman-like project to give him something to do, and it was all, it was like a satire comic. Yeah, and it wasn't like, didn't start as much movie and yeah. show satire like it became. But then, yeah, of course, it turned into eventually Mad Magazine, which outlasted everything from EC. Then came 1954, the Senate Subcommittee on Juvenile Delinquency. Yeah, yes. Um, seduction of the Innocent. I forget the guy who. Uh, yeah, the, Frederick. Yeah, a real piece Wortham, of work. Yeah, like yeah, a real piece of work that guy was. Uh, where uh, attacking the comic in, in general. What is a congressional yeah. hearing on juvenile delinquency? <laughs> exactly. But this guy, he made all sorts of claims to, you know, the horror having a negative effect. Batman and Robin were gay. He had all sorts of just crazy, ridiculous. People would scoff at the crap this guy came up with if it happened now. But at the time, you know, the commie scare was going on as well. So, uh, yeah, you know, the McCarthy thing. So people really bought into it. Had a lot of traction. It certainly did. And those comics were super violent. Especially for their time. Tales from the Crypt. There's that famous cover of the killer with the axe and he's holding the dripping head, you know. Yeah, that's, and yeah, that's the, I was going to bring that up. It's the, uh, it was the most used of the EC stuff. Crime Suspense Stories 22. Yeah, where the guy had the axe in one hand and the decapitated head of the woman in the other. And they even made the argument that he was holding the head close to his own genitalia, and that was done intentionally, you know, implying certain sexual connotations connected to violence. Yeah. Yeah, that whole thing really ran rampant. I don't know. It really did. Well, it brought down EC Comics, essentially. Yeah, pretty much Gaines and uh, Felstein, Gaines especially, just said thought that he claimed, you know, that they were specifically targeting EC Comics, well, which they don't, to a point, yes, but they were targeting the industry in a whole. Yeah, I I think the hearing was more in the seduction of innocent was more about comics in general, not just specifically him. But if the comic code authority, if you've read like bits from it, really do seem to be specifically going after horror comics, not just comics in general. Yeah, like some of the specifics was, uh, you know, obviously like no zombies, uh, cutting down the violence, no werewolves and vampires, but specifically said you cannot use the words terror and horror anymore in your titles and in comic books yeah so he one of the comics was the vault of horror so so. it's it's not a far-fetched to say they were they didn't have him in mind and his i mean his comics i'm assuming that was he was the most successful publisher at the time so i can probably and i mean what what what, ec 
outside of Mad Magazine coming from the comic, I mean, they had to get rid of all their horror titles. And, yeah. yeah. They kept some of the sci-fi titles for a while, but um, after a while, the... All, all pretty neutered, though. Yeah. Now, in a way, as much as I think that guy's a piece of crap and his stuff is, is ridiculous and... I don't think any of it would come today. In a way, it's almost the best thing that ever happened to Tales from the Crypt because I think it kind of created a mystique to Tales from the Crypt the most. When something's forbidden, people want to they want to seek it and watch it even more. So you might make an argument that if that hadn't happened, the fad might have died and just gone away and nobody would be talking about it years later. Well, yeah, because, I mean, all the genres ran in cycles in comics back then anyway, so it probably would have faded away. I don't know what the next fad would have been ended up being, but yeah, it probably would have faded away anyway. That led to the Comics Code Authority, which I think there's an argument to be made. This was just another example of them trying to squash independent publishers. I mean, it pretty much protected some of the big, you know, it's almost uh, similar to the MPAA sometimes, where the MPAA really treats studio films way way differently than they treat independent films so i think the comic code in a way was to control the industry more than more than they i don't think they gave a crap about juveniles as much as they wanted to control the industry and what was being published and what was being allowed to get out there hmm. and then the comic code uh they kind of they relaxed on it then in the late actually the early 70s yeah but at that point william gaines had sold ec yeah it was completely gone but nobody forgot about it. Um, people still remembered it. Uh, it led to many republishing. It was only, it's weird because everyone knows it now, especially horror fans or comic fans, but Tales in the Crypt itself only ran 27 issues before the end of the series. Hmm. Well, that's interesting. Well, I guess it was, I mean, of course they had so many titles. They had a whole mess of titles. So it was basically just like a couple years worth of those titles like yeah 27 issues of tales from the crypt and 20 some odd probably of vault of horror and etc cetera, etc cetera. so it kind of remained in the subconscious horror in the in the 70s had a huge reassurance so i don't know what companies but there was a tales from the crypt film as well as a vault of horror film that was like kind of a unofficial sequel to it yep yep there was um although we're kind of faithful if i remember correctly they were kind of bland though yeah they were they basically had a wraparound story that they invented and just took old EC stories and made them fit the, uh, right. the wraparound. Because then the, they do the Killer Santa Claus. Yeah, the first movie has the Killer Santa Claus, which is really generic, especially when you compare it to the television show that did that same storyline. Yeah. Asylum was a much better movie, by the way. Not to get <laughs> sidetracked. That was from the same period. Have you? I don't know if you've seen that one, but that's much creepier. I think I have. Has more atmosphere to it. Better than Tales from the Crypt. Um, and I'm then, gonna see if we can put off talking about the actual cartoon as long as possible <laughs> because I can't imagine this cartoon is going to be very good. But I do have a lot of fondness for the comic. And then the early '80s, the movie Creep Show came out, which was obviously just a big love letter to EC Comics. Well, that's the funny thing. Like I saw Creep Show and read the comic adaption of Creep Show long before I ever actually read Tales from the Crib. I don't think it was till like later in the '80s, and then maybe in the '90s they reprinted all the EC stuff a lot. Yeah, the early 80s, they started re reprinting all the old EC comics. Uh, that was kind of my first real intro into Tales from the Crypt. Uh, I was reading the, uh, as a kid, reading the, the reprints of the series. And again, they don't hold up very well, by the way. Art is fantastic. Yeah. Art is fantastic. Some of the stories hold <laughs> you know, up very well. Some of the stories like get... Like Werewolf Concerto and All Through the House. 
uh, dig that cat, he's really gone. I think those stories really, mm-hmm. but a lot of them are just uh, the formula is a husband screwing over a wife or vice versa, and then whatever he did to screw over in some ironic twist that happening to them. Yeah, I mean, there are some good stories in there, but they just, yeah, they beat the formula into the ground. And uh, I actually liked shock and crime suspense stories. Some of the comic, the stories from those comics, even better than Tales from the Crib, but. And Johnny Craig was my favorite of those artists worked on those. I don't want to get too deep. I don't want to pull a Dave here and uh, talk about you know every issue, every single writer and artist that ever worked for EC Comics. But so then the '80s, everyone knows horror was a big thing, and even though it was starting to die at the end, HBO decided to produce Tales from the Crypt, the television show. Yeah, 1989 is when I started. Okay. I was thinking that was early '90s, and but- uh, had like. Joel Silver, I believe, Robert Zemeckis, Bob Gale, Steven Spielberg, a lot of people involved in the yeah, making, well, making it happen. Robert Zemeckis, Walter Hill, and Richard Donner were all like executive producers in the show. They also directed a couple episodes yeah. between them. But yeah, they brought in a lot of like Toby Hooper. What's the guy who directed Child's Play there? Uh, uh, Tom Holland? Yeah, yeah, he did. He, I saw he directed a couple episodes. Arnold Schwarzenegger directed an episode. Yeah, and Tom Hanks. What's <laughs> <laughs> Schwarzenegger? Um, others, horror legend Mick Garris, <laughs> I, I, icon of horror, <laughs> master of horror, if you will. Nothing against Mick Harris. Uh, I, I don't know if I'd call him quite a no. He's the master of adapting Stephen King stories. Yes, he's I done like ten of them. He directed Critters too, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> if I'm remembering him correctly, I, I just remember the you. first thing that I saw of his was uh, Sleepwalkers, that Stephen yeah. King thing, and. He, he did the Shining TV show. He's done like so many <laughs> Stephen King things. But that was very popular. It brought a bunch of famous people who not only worked on it, directed on it, starred in it, had two successful films in the uh, connected to it, Bordello of Blood and Demon Knight. Well, this thing, because it was on, it, this sounds so strange now because everything's streaming and you can do all sorts of content yeah. on any channel. But back then you had the networks and then you had like HBO and Showtime so they could do the blood and the violence on which was they certainly embraced it <laughs> yeah it was novel and they they went mad with it they went crazy with it yeah because there had been a lot of horror anthology tv shows dark room thriller tales from the dark side monsters but none of them could really go balls out with nudity and gore like this could right because they were all on abc nbc fox whatever until hbo did tales from the crib and it lasted like Six or seven seasons? Yeah, I think it was six or seven seasons that lasted. Now, we're going to take you back to a time in the late 80s, 90s, which this might be foreign to a lot of people, but for some reason... (laughs) (laughs) I think I know where you're going with this. R-rated adult films were getting pushed as child's cartoons. Somehow, movies that started as R-rated movies or properties or whatever, somehow... Got watered down and turned into kids' cartoons. It's very, very Robocop, strange. Police Academy, Rambo. The first two Robocop movies are super violent. Police Academy, the first one especially, is a straight out sex, like yeah, porky a, sex comedy. The TNA uh, hijinks. The Toxic Avenger. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> Chuck Norris got one. Rambo. Rambo. Uh, <laughs> a Vietnam vet with like. <laughs> PTSD that goes berserk and somehow got turned into a kid's cartoon. <laughs> so. Where are we going with this? Since <laughs> Tales from the Crypt was so popular, and I guess because 
teens were very into horror. I guess. How did this happen? We got the Tales from the Crypt cartoon, which was called Tales from the Crypt Keeper. I have no idea why they changed that name. A bloody horror comic. You get an HBO series, which is pretty, you know, graphic. And then somehow they spun this off into a cartoon. Yes. I don't know. Tales from the Crypt Crypt Keeper. Keeper. Yes. And it debuted in Canada on YTV in 1993. Mm. Um, This is my theory. If you know, I would love to hear from you is a lot of R-rated stuff. Kids were sneaking and watching anyway because it was on HBO. You know, their parents would leave them alone or they'd watch it when they come home from school and the parents hadn't come from work or one kid would have a party and the parent would, you know, they'd have the one lax parent who would let them watch that. So I guess maybe they thought these kids were already watching it on HBO so we could do it as a cartoon. Huh. Maybe. Strange times. It was. Uh, it produced Nirvana. In Phantom Animation, uh, produces, like I said, it's a Canadian production. Originally aired on uh, YTV. ABC picked it up and uh, ran it on Saturday mornings, believe it or not. <laughs> Went off the air after like the second season, but then CBS re-picked it up a couple years later and did the uh, third and final season of Tales from the Crypt. But then it became the new Tales from the Crypt Keeper, I believe was the name of it. Yeah, new Tales from the Crypt Keeper on its third season. Hmm, yeah, and earlier I said I hadn't, I mean, I have no memory of this. <laughs> Neither but, do I. <laughs> but since we've been talking about this the last like couple weeks, it seemed to have stirred up. I seem to, re- did they have toys? <laughs> I seem to remember there being a Crypt Keeper figure at some point. I, Am I <laughs> totally off the beam? I'm going to no, look you're, this up. You're probably we're... right. <laughs> I'm going to look this up while you're talking here. And I, everything I read in the reviews is the third season, the quality dipped tremendously. Yeah, reading about this show, we, we, the first couple of seasons, at least they were loosely adapting stories from the comic. But yeah, I, I hear that the third season kind of went in the toilet. But <laughs> So um, we're going to be watching the episode, Tales from the Crypt Keeper, we're going to be watching the episode, The Works in Wax. Original air date, October 16th, 1993. And you happen to know offhand... What issue of the comic this was from? I did look that up. Originally, this was based on a story that appeared in uh, Tales from the Crypt. Uh, Al Feldstein wrote the original script. Graham Ingalls did the pencils. Um, Let me see if I can uh, find. Yeah, it it first appeared in Tales from the Crypt issue 25. So this is actually based on one of the original EC comics as well. Which the longer the series ran also, I'm reading, the less and less they actually connected it to the original comic. Oh, and by the way, uh, while we were talking there, it does seem to like there was some kind of Crypt Keeper toy. <laughs> so maybe in between, the, maybe on the break before we watch this, I'm going to uh, find out, get some details on that. But So it's weird. Not only is it based on this adult cartoon, but it's based on a story which they were all pretty violent, especially for their time back <laughs> in the 50s. Yeah, well, let's see how close the adaptation is. <laughs> now it's a... Written by or adapted, prefer, uh, whoever you prefer, by an Eric Luke. Uh, directed by a Lauren Shepard. Going to go over some of the voice acting, but I couldn't find hardly anything on any of these people. John uh, Kazer does come back to do the voice of the Crypt Keeper. He's the voice of the Crypt Keeper on the, uh, on the show as well. So it is the nice. same guy who comes and does the voice. All right. Continuity. Now, while we're on the subject, this might be me uh, 
some purists. I cannot stand the Crypt Keeper on the Tales from the Crypt TV show. That was the only thing I didn't like about the show is I could not stand the Crypt Keeper. Couldn't stand it. His annoying laugh, his tortured puns. I know that's the norm in horror, and I know that's being faithful to the uh, original character, but there was something about it just drove me up the wall. Yeah, well, it is kind of an annoying voice and that hyena laugh, so okay. But uh, some of the characters, Craig is a uh, Stuart Stone, does his voice. He's the main child. By the way, that was another difference in the show, as I forgot to mention, is uh, it made children the star of a lot of their uh, stories on the cartoon as well, which I guess makes sense. So in Rambo, was there some children <laughs> characters? They had, did they have like kid psych? Did Rambo have a kid psychic? No, I mean more the the, the particular tales from the Crypt Keeper. Ah, ah, I thought you meant in general with these <laughs> no. adult uh, adult content turned into cartoons. So. And uh, William is a George Buza does his voice, and Boswick is uh, voiced by Cedric Smith. Uh, I, I thought you were going to say Cedric the Entertainer. <laughs> First of all, that's insanely random, and the fact that you'd be excited about that. <laughs> well, at least they had some, you know, a name actor in this thing. <laughs> I suppose you're right. I don't know if he was around, though, in 90. When was the show on? Ni- this episode, October 16th, 1993. 1993. So I got to understand, the, 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 the live-action show was still running. When this was on. Yes, I know. I which makes it even weirder. Like, a kid's watching this. Oh, I like that. Oh, there's a live action show. I'm going to watch that. And then there's, like, blood, guts, tits. Like, what? I just don't understand the mindset of this. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really, yeah, there's nothing. Yeah. But right now, maybe we're going to be, have our minds change and we'll, it'll all make sense. Because we're going to watch Tales from the Crypt Keeper, The Works in Wax. Don't go anywhere. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Visit another dimension. Ah! Those grateful dead dudes. Everyone's a critic. Tales from the Crypt Keeper. Today. Hello, Crypt fans. I'm Michael J. Fox, and I'm going to be here on HBO this Wednesday night for a special evening featuring back-to-back Tales from the Crypt episodes, all directed by the man who brought you Forrest Gump and Back to the Future, Robert Zemeckis. And action! This includes a very wild season finale, You Murderer, starring Humphrey Bogart. Yeah, you heard right. I'll be hosting, and I expect everyone to be there. Fright Night on HBO, February 15th, starting at 9.30 p.m. He's the explosive star of home video excitement. He's Rambo, the freedom fighter for the innocent in a world ridden with injustice and fear. And in Exercise in Terror, the fabulous five-episode cassette from Family Home Entertainment, our hero battles evil in every hotspot hit by the devious General Warhawk. Join Rambo on land, at sea, in the sky, and beneath the streets, fighting the deadly Warhawk warriors wherever freedom is threatened. The Noble Knight of Justice is close at hand. Five incredible episodes on one supercharged cassette. Rambo, exercise in terror. Ready for a scare? You must meet Crypt Keeper. Greetings, Frank Pang. Crypt Keeper, come back and meet my friends. Hello, boils and ghouls. Why don't you offer your fiends something cold and wet? Yes, I think that's exactly what our little fiends need. Crypt Keeper, you're the host. 
with the most. The most rotting flesh, that is! 12-inch talking cribskeeper from Ace. Meanwhile, at the Podcast of Justice. back and we just watched tales from the crypt keeper the works in wax and also in the meantime i did a little research on this actor Stuart stone canadian actor voiceover actor he's done a ton of stuff you're gonna enlighten uh, me and our listeners with a few of those roles well i'm reading it off my phone as we speak because it's quite a list by the way he was uh, he he was on five episodes of the swamp thing and a show you covered a c- couple weeks back if i recall in addition to that, he was Proteus on two episodes of X-Men. He, of course, was on Tales from the Crypt Keeper. Uh, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, another series, animated series you're quite familiar with. The Magic School Bus. So, yeah, he did a lot of voiceover work. Uh, <laughs> maybe I was just lazy when I was, uh, I'd come to the end of my notes and uh, didn't look it up. That's on me. True. I'm here to keep you honest. <laughs> they opened. With a pretty much an instrumental, almost not exact, but uh, the same theme song from the TV show. So we got the voice of the Crypt Keeper. We got the very similar theme song. Uh, the opening was promising. Yeah, they had it's, mummies, zombies, vampires, him running around a haunted house. Yeah, the art looked pretty good, you know. Ended with uh, the Crypt Keeper's laugh. You know, they <laughs> just yep. like the show. Not annoying at all. <laughs> Cryptkeeper uh, is blue for some weird reason. Uh, yes, he is. Yes, he is. So he gives us the whole rundown of uh, this episode relating to art. You know, he's got a painting, the moaning Lisa. Yeah. Oh, my God. There are so many puns in this opening segment. Something about his juices were oozing. <laughs> so many puns. So terrible. A whole bunch of earwax puns. <laughs> yes, there was earwax puns. Yeah. So we open on the, what was it, Rotmuckers Wax Museum. Mm. Now, you did read the original comic, right? Yeah, I haven't read every issue, but I've no, read No, no, I meant the story. Yeah, I have read the story. Okay, because I read that story earlier today just to prepare for watching. Well, good, you're going to have to do the compare and contrast better because it's not as going to be fresh in my memory. <laughs> Very little in comparison, but go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> Passing my hosting duties on to you in this, uh, in this particular scenario. I am picking up the slack a bit, yes. He's going to go in and uh, the mysterious woman in the, behind the booth is insisting on him paying $3. Even though he says he's their best customer, he, he shouldn't have to. Right. Uh, <laughs> he finally does acquiesce pay and said that, uh, you know, he's going to speak to uh, Rotmucker about this. She's obviously new here. I will say, you're probably not familiar because you don't host a podcast about animation that has 70 some odd episodes, but this animation is very, very 90s. If you have seen a bunch of the Cartoons in that era, which I have, this animation is extremely 90s. I could see that. Like, I mean, the art was decent. Animation is primitive for now and probably was pretty standard for the 90s. Uh, it's one of those things where you can't really describe it, but you know it when you see it. Yeah. So, also, uh, very 90s was 
at one point the character says not <laughs> and then you jumped ahead but yes that sorry that is in my notes in case you didn't know you were like in the early to mid 90s so he loves he goes right to the uh the chamber of horrors part of the wax museum where there's a vampire a werewolf a frankenstein the, the classics hmm. There's not much appeal to me for wax museums. I don't even know if they're a thing anymore. I don't, they're very <laughs> in horror and, and superheroes. They get used a lot. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, he ends up finding out he's buddies with, uh, with William, the janitor. They play little pranks on each other, give each other a penny every time they scare scare each other, I should say. William says, uh, sometimes when you talk to these wax figures, I almost think they're real. <laughs> yeah. Uh, subtle might, as, a, as might, a brick to the face. Might be setting something up there with that line. Yeah. Yeah. Helps uh, William uh, arrange things in the back. He asks, what's the deal with that woman who charged him? And uh, William has uh, some sad news to report that Rotmucker has actually passed away, which is kind of... I wouldn't say a big deal, but uh, someone actually acknowledging dying in a cartoon is not something that happens in just any old cartoon. Yeah, a little strange. He meets the new boss, Boswick, who's kind of a jerk (laughs) throughout this scene and every other scene. I read the comic. All right, we're going to just get into this right off the bat. I read the comic, you know, literally earlier today. There's no connection between, I mean, outside of there being a wax museum. Like the comic book takes place in the 19th century. <laughs> is this, a, this guy who has a wax museum in the 19th century, like the late 1800s, and it's a bunch of murderers, like Jack the Ripper and Stranglers and whatnot, and his wife thinks they're real and blah 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 blah. But it has nothing to do with what happens in this cartoon. Which is odd. That sound, there's a Twilight Zone episode that's almost the exact same oh, yeah. same plot. I wonder if they borrowed that from the comic book. Season four of the Twilight Zone, the hour-long season. Yeah. It had that one, yeah, with the... Yeah, it keeps the wax figures in his basement, and uh, hmm. he really keeps... Yeah, and they were like murderers and whatnot. Right, wow, yeah. I can't remember the name of that, but it was like a murderer's row of... Yeah. Hmm. Craig points out that uh, this isn't fair. The new exhibit, I believe, that Twilight Zone was called. Yeah, I think you're right, actually. So, go ahead. Uh William was supposed to get the museum when Rotmucker died. He says uh, he put a note. He put it on a piece of paper. A piece of paper. He can't find, which Boswick is like, that's very convenient. He's like, this is for help only. Get out of here. And if you bring up that paper again, you're fired. I'm not sure (laughs) why acknowledging this paper might exist as a terminable offense. Well,. I guess I think they're just trying to make the guy unlikable. Yes. Which they succeeded, but. So uh, he goes back to the Max Museum and uh, one of the tombstones falls over. And when he goes to fix it, he crosses the red velvet rope. Boom. Suddenly he's transported into another dimension, a cemetery. Mm, yeah, yeah. Now I'm watching this. Uh, either the movie Waxwork is a direct ripoff of the old Tales from the Crypt story, or this cartoon <laughs> ripped off the movie Waxwork. I'm not sure which. Hmm, maybe the latter, because, I don't know, there are definitely a lot of similarities there, though. I mean, the movie Waxworks, David Warner owns a, a wax museum of all horror figures, and uh, he has to collect souls, and they 
go in and get killed by whatever it may be. But they have the vampire, the werewolf. They have all the classic movie monsters. Yeah. The late day of wonder who was in an episode of Tales from the Crypt. So the yes. TV show, not That's the true. cartoon, but <laughs> to be clear. And voiced uh, Ra's al Ghul on Batman the Animated Series. I'm assuming that came up on a past episode of this very show. <laughs> so the, the villagers, they're hunting down the vampire into his mausoleum. Uh, they're making jokes about how, you know, uh, we'll give you some, you don't like garlic, huh? <laughs> and they're laughing. But in the, I'm not sure if it's brilliant or just ridiculous. Uh, Craig around the corner starts doing voices of different werewolves to convince them there's an army of them down there. That was mildly amusing. And they're like, give us a steak and I'll let you live. And he does. And then he reveals it. And they're like, they've been tricked. <laughs> and he helps the bat because the vampire turns into a bat, helps him escape. He falls into a uh, grave, which the grave has a giant R on it. Yep. Take note of that. comes back. and then, But when he falls, he ends up back in the wax museum like it never happened. William doesn't believe that this actually happened. Lovingly, though, he's not like, you know, calling him a liar, you know, kind of laughing along like he's telling a tall tale, you know, like, where do you come up with these stories? Right, right. And then the exact same thing happens with the werewolf where he teleports. That's when he says the classic line, oh, I guess it was a dream. Not. This is going to make no sense to anyone that's like in their 20s listening to this. I think that might have gotten referenced on the uh, the office once or twice, but I could be wrong. I might just be confusing that with the that's what she said thing. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> at first, like, uh, it looks like the werewolf is going to go after him. But once the other uh, hunters with their pitchfork comes, the werewolf runs off and they accuse this kid of being a werewolf. That he's uh, he's turned back from his into his human form with the full moon still out, which is a little strange. I think the kid points that out, right? right? He says, "Look, no fangs. I don't even need a shave." And is that when the silver bullet comes out? Yeah, he pulls the silver bullet out. He's well, like, uh, "You you're gonna need more than that." He's like, "I only got one." And then there's the great throwback to the beginning of the episode with the old. You know, high five yeah. trick, you know? <laughs> yes. The down up high, down low, too slow. And he knocks <laughs> the silver bullet right out of his head. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he climbs up a tree, which he- I feel like I had a lot more to say about the HBO series <laughs> and the cardboard than I did this cartoon, but not really adding a lot here. The cartoon's very simplistic. Well, you know- <laughs> It's a very thin premise for a half hour episode of, like- that's the whole premise, the wax museum bit. And first, there's a, there's a vampire Dracula segment, there's a werewolf segment, and then, well, not to jump ahead, but Frankenstein segment. <laughs> there is a giant R in the tree, and when he falls out of that, that he's back to the museum one more time. He says that uh, Rotmucker used to also tell similar stories about the wax museum. So they've heard this before, William, so I don't know why he's so surprised. I. Don't even remember. I, I must have been glazed over here because I don't even remember that part of the episode. But <laughs> they switch. We obviously go into a commercial break, and when they come back, he's in another world where Frankenstein monster is in a burning windmill. Right, right. Yeah, uh, he's helping him to jump out of the river. You know, uh, he gets caught on. Uh, there's an R there as well. He gets caught on the wheel. I don't know what you call those wheels and windmills that go into the water. Yeah, yeah. But he tells him to uh, escape, and then he ends up back at the museum. 
Not on mine with Frankenstein, because doesn't he actually speak at some point? Yeah, he does kind of. He's kind of caught me off guard, but. Um, when he gets back, uh, that's it. Boswick's had enough. He's firing William. Rather harsh. But I'm going to bring up in a minute why that's even more baffling. But uh, when <laughs> when Craig tries to protest this, Boswick gets right in his face, even grabs him by the shirt collar and pulls him up. <laughs> Pretty strong, you know, for going against uh, a 13-year-old kid or whatever he's supposed to be. And here's the most baffling part of all this. The museum's being sold, and the next day is going to get torn down. Why is he firing this guy? Tomorrow he doesn't have a job anyway. And why is he so worked up that he's grabbing Craig by the shirt collar? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, they're going to look around uh, for this uh, piece of paper. They find that there is an uh, R in the museum that William had noticed underneath the display. Right, right, right. Uh, it's a big guillotine uh, uh, display where he's looking all over. At one point, he, you find out the the wax figure in the guillotine is the Crypt Keeper's head. Yeah, we got a little cameo from the Crypt Keeper there in the Marie Antoinette outfit there. And he does find uh, the piece of paper that has the will on it. Right. You know, I thought this was going to be the saving grace of the episode because I thought... <laughs> I thought the kid was going to go for the sheet and then the guillotine was going to come down on him. It certainly like builds it up like you think the guillotine's going to fall into decapitate like, this Which kid. would have no place in a 90s cartoon, but there's a little part of me that was hoping that was going to happen. No it, do- it does come down. It doesn't unfortunately oh, cut right. his head off. but uh, Would have been some nice dark humor, but <laughs> missed that opportunity. Uh, there come Boswick, who is uh, you know living about it. Fine. Snatches the paper out of his hand that it means nothing. Not to side with the guy, but uh, wouldn't it have to be notarized or witnessed or something for this to actually be an official will? You might think, yes. He chases him right into the werewolf dimension where uh, all three of the monsters show up. <laughs> uh, at first, he blames the kid for all this. and It doesn't matter, but uh, they're chasing him. And then we kind of cut again. <laughs> the next scene is you can see that... Uh, they have the paper. The museum's still open. A really strange uh, bit where William says, Hiya, Craig. It's me, William. <laughs> like, these right? guys have been friends for years, I mean, which is implied. Why is he introducing himself? <laughs> Had he been somewhere? Or hadn't been that much time. Yeah, it was, <laughs> and William doesn't look any different. You know, it's not like he has a mustache or wearing a hat, you know? Yeah. Seemed like a pointless exposition there, but... And uh, then he says, uh, William, the new display is the best one yet. And you see the wax museum of the three figures chasing a wax dummy that's obviously Boswick. Right. And that's where we kind of fade out. Goes back to the- What a twist. That was the, yeah, the big twist. We go back to the Crypt Keeper. He's uh, sculpting. That's his new uh, fad. And he's like, oh, this is the most disgusting thing I've ever made yet. And he turns it into a sculpt. Of his own head. Fade the credits. Laugh, fade the credits. And there you have Tales from the Crypt Keeper, The Work in Wax. And I wasn't really paying attention to the credits, but I thought I saw like Richard Donner's name maybe go by. So I wonder, I mean, is it just because they did the HBO show like that their names no, were there as like an executive producer? Yeah, they're executive producer. They're listed oh, okay. as that in there. Gotcha. Which is... uh. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of the creative people worked 
and produced this cartoon and worked on the show. So it's... <laughs> Again, very flimsy connection to the original comic. <laughs> so yeah, it's the... Uh, the based on, inspired by... Uh, <laughs> yeah, very loosely inspired by, I guess. I mean, there's a wax museum in both of them. And the so wax sort of figures sort of come to sort life. Sort of come to life. The ironic twist in the original comic, is, so to speak, is the wife's convinced that the murderers, the wax dummies and murderers are alive. And she's helping them out and moving them around, doing things for them. It starts ticking off the husband beyond belief where he threatens to strangle her if she keeps this up. <laughs> of course, he ends up killing her. He ends up getting turned into wax and melting. And it, yeah, it's rather ludicrous, but very little connection to the story we just watched. I guess I got to give him credit for at least trying to give some kudos to the uh, original series. Yeah, I, I haven't since it's the only time I've ever seen the show. I don't know if. Any of the other stories that allegedly come with the comic. I'm uh, assuming they're about as loosely connected. Supposedly the first but. season, most of them are borrowed, yeah. inspired by, and then the longer the show went, the less and less they... Uh, I mean, it's only you can only do so much to with this comic that dummy it down for little kids. Yeah, I mean, to take these terrifying horror comics and try and translate them to this 90s cartoon, pretty tricky. Because it's not like the uh, even the bad guy you could have have that gruesome of a finale. No, no. I guess that's why it worked in this one. They just turned him into a wax. He was a wax dummy at the end. Yeah, part, exactly. Part exhibit. Exactly. Be there forever. So, uh, before we get any more depth on this cartoon, we're going <laughs> to jump over to our ranking system, the Spectrometer. This is the part where it goes... <laughs> it just did that. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Where anyone new to the show, the spectrometer, we rank what we saw. Zero spectros being garbage, four spectros being perfection. Mark, what are you going to give? Tales from the Crypt Keeper, the work in wax. I got to go first. Yeah. Put him oh, the guest, guest always goes first. Zero to four? Yeah. Uh, you can do halves and quarters. That's all acceptable. I, maybe give it a two? <laughs> I don't really know, but. I haven't given it that much thought. I forgot about this part of the show, but I'd go one and a half, maybe, or t maybe two, with being generous. I'm going to go uh, one and a half. I don't think the animation's particularly anything to jump up and down about. No. Story's flimsy at best. Yeah. I think it's a dead in the water concept to do a, a horror comic anthology adult show and try and turn it into a kid's cartoon. Agreed. Yeah, okay. You twist my arm. One and a half. I was thinking that. I, mean, I think like, are you afraid of the dark and goosebumps is actually scarier and better done than this. And those were like on Nickelodeon. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, in the comic book, a lot of the bad guys were like straight out killers, of you know, psychopaths. Yeah. Hard to do that in a kid-friendly cartoon. So, yeah, we'll go with, all right, we're in agreement. One and a half what? spectros. <laughs> what a way to, to wrap up. Halloween month here on the multiverse. Tales well, from the Crypt Keeper. Kind of going out with a whimper, but I mean, you kind of had to do this, though, at some point during well, the yeah, show. Yeah. So, I mean, they actually did Tales from the Crypt, the most you know horror comic you can think of. If they did a cartoon out of it, you're going to have to cover it. Well, I mean, that's, uh, I see some of my guests under the misconception because we're doing Halloween episodes, we're only doing good. Halloween episodes, <laughs> and that's not always the case. Well, you'd hope they'd be good, but we hadn't seen this before. Yeah, How do we know? A lot of the episodes are reviewing things sight unseen until we do the episode. Yeah, so 
But what did you think out there? Did you like Tales from the Crypt Keeper better than Mark and me? You couldn't have liked it much worse. What about if a kid today, aren't we supposed to do this part? I've been uh, I've been kind of phasing that out, but this I think is more of appropriate being that uh, this is something that I question should have never been pitched to children in the first place. Oh, I apologize. I'm about a half dozen episodes behind no, your but, show. But, you know that. No, but this is appropriate. Throw it out the window. You ditched that segment. <laughs> This is an appropriate one to bring it up. Like, do you, with a show that it's questionable whether kids should have ever been pitched this in the first place, well, would kids in 2022 like this cartoon? I'm inclined to say no. Probably not. I mean, I don't know. Maybe a, I don't know. The animation just, you can't compare something like from 30 years ago. It's really hard to compare it to the kind of animation that's around today. I don't know. As I was watching, I was thinking, you know, if I saw it at the time and I was like seven at the time, seven or eight, maybe I would think it was okay. I don't know. Well, what do you think? Go to my social media and let me know. You can find me at Matt Spectro. Follow me while you're there. And you can go on Facebook, find me, Matt Spectro through the multiverse. Follow me while you're there and tell us what you thought about Tales from the Crypt Keeper. And the question is, do I have anything to plug? Well, that's I, usually I know people who have things to plug and others that don't, even though I've been wrong a few times. So not to be presumptuous, do you have anything to plug? And if so, now's the time. No, I mean, I really don't. I mean, I've often thought about doing a podcast or, you know, like, you know, YouTube channel or something, but I never, if I had to want to do it, I'd, I would want to do it great. And that takes a lot of effort. So no, I don't have anything to plug, but except for the fact that it's my birthday. All right, happy birthday. Get this man a present. Sending gifts. And I believe my esteemed editor, Michael Crockett, I believe his daughter, Maddox, I believe her birthday is today as well. So happy birthday. Wow. No idea. (laughs) But it's been a scary month. The sun is coming up. You can come out from under the bed, unlock the doors. You don't have to have your steaks and garlic and crosses anymore. Halloween is coming to an end. Thank you for uh, joining us and celebrating this holiday with us. Pleasure was all yours. Coming up soon, I'm going to be going on vacation. I got some guest hosts, but I should be back. Thanks for joining us for this bonus Halloween episode. Make sure you uh, subscribe to my podcast. Give me a five-star review if you can. Share and like. And join us again next week for another exciting episode of Met Spectro Through the Multiverse. Excelsior! <laughs>